So, on our Family Matters feature this morning, we're discussing self-esteem and how to improve it, right? This is all about how you perceive yourself and it affects every area of your life, uh, from how you walk into a room, how you interact with people uh, and the choices that you make. And and people with a positive self-esteem are likely to be happy, uh, they're in healthy relationship because you sort of understand your worth, yeah? So... What is your opinion of yourself? When you look into the mirror, what do you see? How high or low is your self-esteem? And and what's behind that? I want to hear uh, what your experiences have been in reflecting, on reflecting on your self-esteem. Give us a call on 011-8830702 or you can send us a WhatsApp voice note on 072-702-1702. And yes, obviously there are many factors that affect one's self-esteem. It could be your upbringing, uh, maybe for you, it's relationships, you know, being unemployed. So so self-esteem, I imagine, is not so constant. You know, it fluctuates based on what life throws at you. But it's also important to bounce back and believe in yourself. So how do you navigate these changes so that you don't lose your self-esteem? Joining us in studio is Kimona uh, Premjith, who is a clinical psychologist who's going to guide us through this conversation. Kimona, thank you for making time for us and for coming in on a public holiday. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So I've tried in my limited understanding to define how I view self-esteem. Just help our listener understand what is it about. So I think, you know, this is such an important topic and so relevant because self-esteem really is something we all have. We cannot escape it. So whether it's an excessive self-esteem or a low self-esteem. So self-esteem is the way you see yourself as an individual, the way you evaluate your self-worth and your value. It's the judgment we make about whether am I a good person or am I a bad person? It's essentially the attitude you have towards yourself. Uh huh. And how much of it is influenced by other people? So is it, I mean, as it says, self-esteem, is it mostly how I see myself or sometimes the way people see me and what they say about me influences that self-esteem. Absolutely. I think, you know, the foundation really of self-esteem starts when we're very little. I think, you know, it's when childhood is a large factor here and realizing that there are things that, you know, happen very early on that promotes a healthy self-esteem or not so much a healthy self-esteem. Self-esteem develops when you're at the age of five. You know, that's what research found and it continues to develop through childhood and adolescence. Jeez, at the age of five? At the age of five. Mm. So what's what's the best way then for parents to build one's self-esteem at that age? So... Essentially, um, so it's important that children feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. and the ways in which parents can improve their children's self-esteem is through really being attentive. I think showing your child that they are worth your attention. Mm. This can be through spending quality time, uninterrupted time with your little one. Give your child things like age-appropriate responsibilities. So, you know, really giving your child a sense of purpose and accomplishment. This will possibly not, they will possibly not do everything perfectly, you know, and this is the best opportunity to acknowledge that and let them know that you appreciate their effort anyway. Yeah, and and I imagine the opposite is also similar. So if, if you, at the age of five, are constantly telling your child how terrible they are at this or that, 
um, and you are, you know, just treating them like they are nothing, that's going to influence how they also view themselves at a later stage. Absolutely. So when we, you know, teach children that love is conditional, mm-hmm. it's sort of, it becomes the foundation for then what they, they expect in other relationships, how they see themselves. And so they really work hard to try and earn that kind of, of love. And something that we see quite often is perfectionism. Mm. I think, you know, it creates a, a feeling of you have to be perfect. You cannot fail and or you only get praise when you do well. And when you excel and mm. that really, you know, doesn't help the self-esteem at the end of the day. Okay. So when your self-esteem is low, you know, what, what, what are the areas of your life that, that can be impacted? I mentioned earlier that this is something that, you know, affects many areas of one's life. You know, obviously that's dependent on where you find yourself. You know, there are some people who have had good self-esteem and then they lost their jobs or, um, there was something in their relationship and then that sort of, you know, changed how they feel and how they view themselves. Uh, but what are the consequences when you have a low self-esteem? What areas of your life are actually quite impacted by that? So if you think about it, self-esteem is the cornerstone of how you judge yourself. So mm-hmm. how you judge your worth, how you judge your value. And someone with a low self-esteem often battles with questions of I'm not good enough. So going through life feeling inadequate, it affects all areas. So your decision making, your social relationships, people struggling with low self-esteem find it difficult to make decisions. They often doubt their ability to make the best decision because we believe that there is one best decision. And then we struggle to make that best decision because we're worried we're going to fail. You know, you rely on the opinions of others to really Mm -hmm. guide you rather than trusting yourself. Then there's the component of relationships. I think in relationships, you struggle to express your needs. Mm. And so, you know, not having those needs met, I often find in therapy with couples especially, that not having your needs met over a long period of time often results in anger and resentment. So this is what ultimately brings couples to therapy. Mm. Their experience in the relationship may also be challenging as you often feel unworthy and unlovable. And these feelings lead to an expectation of constant reassurance from their partner, but the reassurance may never feel like it's enough. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, that reassurance. Well, and and when in, when in terms of factors, you know, that can influence your self-esteem, what are some of those uh, factors that can you know, influence, whether in a positive or, or in a negative way, where you end up having the low self-esteem or where it's now incredibly high. So like we, we talked about, I think childhood is really where yeah. we develop because we see the world through our caregiver's eyes. That's how we learn to understand the world. Mm. But apart from that, you know, something like age, Self-esteem has shown to increase actually between the ages of 4 to 11. So as children start to gain some independence with the things in which they do, they start to separate a bit more from mom and dad. So they start going to school, they start being responsible for homework, for creating and maintaining their own friendships. And as children shift to adolescent from ages to 11 to 15, surprisingly, self-esteem seem to remain the same. Mm. So it neither increased nor decreased significantly. So you will get fluctuations, but it was nothing significant to note. And then at the age of 15, self-esteem was shown to rapidly increase again due to the fact that teenagers are becoming more independent and somewhat more in control over their lives. This Mm. continues up until the age of 30. And then, you know, at the age of 30, early adulthood, we take on more complex roles and responsibilities, which help us see ourselves as having more worth and value. Mm. 
If we then continue to increase more gradually from the age of 30 to 60, and they actually found that self-esteem peaks at the age of 60 to 70. What? 60 to 70. Wow. Mm. And begins dropping again at the age of 90. And I think this has a lot to do with the loss of previously held roles and responsibilities. So if you think in your 30s, your self-esteem is high because you're taking on more complex roles and responsibilities. Mm. When you're getting older, you're ending, you know, moving into retirement. You are not holding as much responsibility and as, man, as many roles as you previously did. Mm. And you don't care too much mm. uh, what Kimona thinks <laughs> about me because I'm like, I've been through that. Oh, that's interesting. Give us your thoughts. I mean, are you, you know, between the ages of 60 and 70, when you got to that age group, did you notice something different about your self-esteem? Did you start caring less about what other people think and you were more confident in yourself you viewed yourself uh, positively as well and and for the parents how are you building up that self-esteem because kimona says at the age of five that's a critical stage so how have you been building uh, that self-esteem with your children between the ages of four and eleven that's where that self-esteem increases is that what you've observed with your kids and also as an individual when you look in the mirror hmm, what do you see what's your opinion of yourself and how are you trying to ensure that you keep your self-esteem raised up um, and how has it impacted on your life being intentional about having a positive self-esteem your whatsapp voice notes on 0727021702 you can call us on your experiences on 0118830702 hi clement so when i look at myself in the mirror i see the center of the universe i really do believe that i'm like the best person on earth because there's never enough, there will never be another me here. And uh, the thing is, growing up, I used to suffer a lot from self-esteem and whatnot. But then back in 2019, I realized, I came to the realization that I do not need approval from anybody as long as I'm doing my best and I'm uh, and and I'm trying my best and there's some results, a little bit of progress, better than no progress at all, mm. then I'm happy with that. And that should be enough for me. And ever since then, I've all, I always think very highly of myself and I have confidence. Mm, I love that. I love that. It looks like it's a journey, um, Kimona. For you, you don't just wake up and you've got, you know, a good self-esteem. Like there's there's work that you constantly need to do. So... For those that didn't grow up in homes that sort of encouraged them and emphasized, you know, how worthy they are and that self-esteem was built from even that critical age of five, they're struggling with it right now and they want to go back to the base and, you know, start seeing themselves the way they want to be seen. Where do you start? So, you know, I like to talk a bit about Dr. Kristen Neff. And Dr. Kristen Neff is a psychology professor in Texas. And she's really based all of her research on self-compassion. She defines it like this. She talks about self-compassion as relating to ourselves kindly and embracing ourselves as we are. So it's linked closely to self-acceptance. And she finds that self-compassion actually has three components to it, which I think we all need if we're going to build our self-esteem and, and reach a healthy self-esteem. And she talks about, you know, number one being self-kindness, realizing that actually as human beings, you are flawed and being kind to yourself anyway. So think about it this way. I often like to ask my patients when they struggle with self-love, how would you treat your own baby 
or a good friend. You treat them with kindness, gentleness, and with empathy. So in the same way, we need to do the same for ourselves. The second thing is common humanity. So common humanity really is we are all the same in that we are all human beings. We all have good days and we all have bad days. We have days when we make the very best decisions with thoughtfulness and care. And then we have days when we make horrible mistakes. We've all experienced success to some degree. And as much as we have all experienced failure to the, to the same degree, self-esteem asks the question really of how am I different from others? Whereas self-compassion redirects the question and asks, how am I the same as others? The human experience is what we are all equal in. So the fact that we are all imperfect is what we have in common. When we look inward at our flaws, what we actually do is we isolate ourselves from others because we don't want to be judged for not being enough. Where instead, we should be looking at how we are the same as people and how that shared experience can help us be more compassionate to others. And then the last thing she speaks about really is mindfulness. And mindfulness is about being in the present moment and accepting the current suffering so we can give ourselves compassion. If we don't accept something, we cannot find a way to deal with it appropriately. Rather, we remain in denial and prolong our suffering. Mm. I like to tell patients that if you have a deep cut on your arm, the sooner you accept that it is a deep cut that needs stitches, the sooner it can heal. Mm. So putting a band-aid on a deep cut will only prolong the bleeding and cause you to be in more pain and possibly do more harm than a band-aid mm. because it's not the correct treatment for the problem. So in the same way, you know, something like harsh self-criticism can get in the way, especially with someone who has an excessive self-esteem. Mm. We don't allow ourselves to accept that we have flaws and at times we're going to fail. Yeah, sure. Mindfulness, so important. Let's go to uh, Jeanette, who's calling us from Pretoria. Good morning. Hi, Clement. Hey, how's it? Good afternoon. I'm all right. Go ahead. Uh, Clement, to parents. You know, as a parent, it's not easy to raise a child who doesn't believe in in themselves. So I had to work on my daughter's self-esteem. I thought I'm a bit late, but I started as soon as I realized she is losing it. Mm. She was diagnosed with ADHD. She was given Ritalin to take on for study. And this other day, she cried and telling us she's so stupid. She feels like she's useless and she's just stayed in the house. She, wa- she wasn't going outside. So I worked on her self-esteem and today she's in grade 10. She's studying on her own. I'm homeschooling her. So I realize how intelligent she is. She's, she's doing homeschooling. Remember, there's no teacher in front of her. She's in grade 10. Next day, she's going to grade 11. She, she's so confident and mm. she now realized that she is unique. I told her that you are unique, baby. You are special. You are not like the other children who are studying in groups, in classes, in front of teachers. I'm going to help you to identify who you are. She's confident. And when I look at her, I'm glad that I worked on her self-esteem. She dresses like her age now. She used to cover up the whole body because she felt fat. Mm. You see, now she's wearing her crop tops her bangy jeans, and she is, she's calling herself Chef Didi. Mm. And she already <laughs> knows that she wants to go to international hotel school. Wow. And um, I'm glad that her self-esteem has been boosted, and I'm glad that I worked on it. And now I want to say to parents, identify that. If your children are not 
happy about themselves, make them realize that they are unique. They were created uniquely. And God loved them as they are. So self-esteem is very important. Thank you so much for oh, the and, and and your your role as a parent is just equally so important, Jeanette. And I mean, you're a wonderful mom, and I'm glad you've you've identified that there's something wrong here. You know, my child is feeling um, is not feeling so confident. And you, as a parent, you have you know that ability. You can do it if you sit down with them and build, help them build that that, that self confidence. And that speaks to the role of parents, right? Even when you've maybe you've missed the opportunity at the age of five, there's still an opportunity to work on that self-confidence with your children. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's really important that children feel good about themselves. And something like parent being attentive, spending quality time with your child, I think it really sends the message across that, you know, your child is worth your attention. They're worth your time. There is something special about them. And I think that helps. It helps immensely building a child's self-esteem and how do you then um you know kimona when because in this case Jeanette's child who's 17 is being homeschooled um you're building this self-confidence but the 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 challenge then becomes how do i know that they're ready to step into a world that is so mean yes i've raised you to think of yourself this way but you walk out there and the world's contradicts what you've been told at home. I mean, that you can take a knock from that depending on, you know, where your self-esteem is. I'm just wondering, how do you balance the two? Because, yes, homeschooling, great. It works also for other people. Um, but also we must also deal with the reality of them stepping into the real world because that's where the nastiness is. How do we manage that as parents? So I think, you know, something specifically when we're talking about homeschooling, there's this idea that obviously, you know, children are not maybe having other kinds of relationships, friendships with with peers. But I think, you know, really encouraging, even outside of, of the learning environment, children building other relationships, significant relationships with other peers their age, I think really teaches them how to socialize so that when they are eventually you know, stepping out into the world, whether it's in in the workplace or going out, you know, meeting people, that they've sort of had a foundation and it's not new and it's not scary and they've had those relationships because parents have encouraged it, even though they've been homeschooled. They've encouraged meeting friends, maybe other homeschool children, and really building and fostering those relationships, I think it's really important because as human beings, you know, we're innately social. It's how we it's how we were born. Babies are born with an innate need to connect, to build a relationship with their parents. And as we go through life, we're the same. We're very, very social people. So we seek it out very much in other relationships. So encouraging that with your child is going to be really important and empowering them, empowering them that they are special, they can do it, not taking over from them and and allowing them to become a little bit more independent in choosing friendships, creating friendships and maintaining friendships. Mm -hmm. So how can parents, you know, pick up, what are the signs to look out for? You know, how can they pick up whether their children have an incredibly low self-esteem uh, what are the signs to look out for so they know what they need to start working on? Because sometimes as parents, you think, well, I've built them up from that age. I've told them that they're worthy, you know, but you start picking up signs that, you know, speak differently to what you have, you know, inculcated in them from a young age. So mm-hmm. w- what's there to pick up? So, you know, 
from children to adults, I think it's important to address, well, what do we look for when we look at self-esteem? And I think it will be in the way they behave and the things they say. And something, you know, that we see with a low self-esteem is that a belief that others are better than you. There's always maybe a conversation around friends being prettier, friends being more smart. There's always a belief that others are better than you. Expressing your needs feels too hard when you feel something. You feel it's difficult to express that and tell others around you how you feel. With children, it might be children struggling to express their needs to their parents. Focusing a lot on your weaknesses, so never admitting that there's things that you are good at. Always focusing on the things that you are bad at. Mm-hmm. Common also is struggling with fears, feelings of fear, self-doubt and worry. You may have a negative outlook on life and feel lack of control. There's also intense fear of failure, difficulty accepting positive feedback, difficulty saying no or setting up appropriate boundaries is a really big one and prioritizing the needs of others over your own. And then overall, just seeing that, you know, there may be a very low confidence in your child or in an adult. Mm-hmm. 011-883-0702 after the latest in eyewitness news headlines we, we're going to go to your calls and, and get your whatsapp voice notes as well we're talking about self-esteem this morning on our family matters feature uh do you think you need to improve on your self-esteem uh, what's your assessment i mean we all have stuff we struggle with um and some days are good some days are bad depending on what's happening in your life as i said there are many factors that can affect your self-esteem uh maybe your upbringing Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe you found yourself at some point being unemployed. Uh, What did that do to your self-esteem? Because it's always going to uh, fluctuate, but it's important to just learn how to navigate even the difficult moments that have the potential uh, to knock you over and and make you think less um, of yourself. So give us a call. Send us a WhatsApp voice note. I'm interested to hear from um, different age groups. I mean, did you feel that your self-esteem peaked when you were in your 20s, when you're in your 30s, or is it when you were in you were in your 60s? You know, some of my friends who are over 40, I often pick up that they are so content and comfortable in their space that, um, you know, whatever you think of them doesn't necessarily matter. But Kimona is telling us that, you know, it picks particularly between the people um, who are between the ages of 60 and 70. If you are in that age group, um, how do you assess self-esteem i'm interested to hear from you give us a call or send us a whatsapp voice note it's 11 30. 702 family matters all right so on our family matters feature discussing self-esteem and how you can improve it how do you identify that you've got a child or maybe yourself um with a low self-esteem some messages coming through on the whatsapp line uh, Vivienne uh, says, hi, Clement and your guest. Having a child with low self-esteem while having a high self-esteem was very difficult for me. Unfortunately, uh, my son's situation improved by the age of 14, 15. Uh, that's a message there from Noni. Does that happen a lot, Akimona, where as a parent, you've got this high self-esteem and your child, one is low? Because um, I'm sure the child looks at you and think, geez, mom or dad, you are too much. And you look at them and you're thinking, come on you know pick up Mm. i think you know it is common i think what happens is if you have a parent with a very high self-esteem 
Sometimes they set the bar really high and there's an expectation for a child to meet all of those expectations. And when a child doesn't meet all of these expectations, there's a feeling of failure. There's a feeling of I'm not good enough, which is exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about low self-esteem. So it's really setting high expectations that your child can't meet necessarily because your child maybe doesn't have the ability to meet those expectations. Maybe they're a bit unrealistic and you know, your child really feeling that they're failing, not meeting those standards, and then they feel that they're not good enough. Yeah, sure. Um, another question, uh, well, this is one is a question um, on Twitter. Someone is asking, what are the risks of uh, low self-esteem and the potential of that leading to mental health issues? So, low self-esteem isn't a mental health problem in and of itself. However, it has been shown that it is a contributing factor to other mental illnesses, so things like depression and anxiety, as well as eating disorders. So the same way in which high self-esteem could also lead to the same. The constant negative self-talk and devaluing oneself in someone who has a low self-esteem really sets the foundation for a disorder like depression. Someone with an excessive self-esteem may set unrealistic goals and a distorted belief in their skills and attributes. So they may also believe that failure is not an option. So should they try and reach their unrealistic goal and fail due to not having the appropriate skill set, they could become very critical of themselves. If they are unable to deal with the reality of failure, this could lead to more serious difficulties like depression and anxiety. Mm. An important part of life is also allowing yourself to take a break and rest. I think as therapists, this is something we really advocate for because people with an excessive self-esteem are often very preoccupied with perfectionism. They may see rest as being lazy and therefore you will always find another goal to achieve. So this often leads to burnout and fatigue. And research has shown that burnout also increases the risk of depression. So I think, you know, low self-esteem or excessive high self-esteem really can lead to more serious mental illnesses like depression and anxiety, even suicidality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you spoke earlier about excessive self-esteem. Like where, like what, what's the, where do you draw the line between that incredibly high self-esteem and arrogance because some people may interpret it that way. So I think the very common question is essentially, you know, is high self-esteem narcissistic? I think this is what we touch on a lot. And this is a very complex topic. And I want to be careful in discussing it because I think narcissism is a buzzword at the moment. It's very multi-layered. But essentially, having said that, having excessive self-esteem is not the same as being narcissistic. I think self-esteem relates very much to the evaluation of your values and your worth, whereas narcissism really refers to your feelings of self-importance, superiority, and entitlement. So you can tell the difference when a person with high self-esteem may sound like I am good when they're doing something, whereas narcissism sounds a lot more like I am special or I am the best. It is actually shown that people with a low self-esteem use narcissism as a way to protect themselves against the inner reality of not feeling good enough. Again, this topic is complex and I think we need to be covered in a whole other segment just to do it justice. Yeah, 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 true. Um, but is it wrong though to have to really be so self-aware and so self-secure is it is it is it normal? Is it fine? Or because some people are probably listening to us and thinking, okay, would I need to dial down at some point, or am I okay having this excessive self-esteem? So maybe then a good. 
Foundation is for us to understand what do we mean when we say a healthy self-esteem and then what are we saying when we're talking about excessive self-esteem. So somebody with a healthy self-esteem, actually, you know, they have a positive outlook on life. There's confidence in themselves and their abilities. They have an ability to express what they want and how they feel. They have a balanced and accurate outlook of themselves. And I think that's important and a significant difference between somebody with a healthy self-esteem versus an excessive self-esteem. They love all parts of themselves, you know, the good and the flawed. They're able to look after their own needs. They don't compare themselves to others. They accept the past for what it is and they don't dwell on it. They're able to create and enforce healthy boundaries with others, able to say no when they don't want to. They can take responsibility for their actions and at the core of who they are, they believe that they are good enough and they deserve to be happy. On the other hand, when we're looking at somebody with a high or excessive self-esteem, what we're seeing is they may be preoccupied with perfection and being perfect. You know, there's a real focus on always being right, always having a belief that they cannot fail, a belief that they are better than others, and they may overly estimate their skills and abilities. So a very high self-esteem often causes difficulties in relationships with others, as well as social situations. So if you think about it, it can be difficult being around someone who always needs to be right and cannot see the other person's point of view. They can tend to be quite argumentative and always surrounded by conflict. Mm. So people with higher self-esteem may also struggle accepting criticism and that gets in the way really of self-improvement and growth and I think as human beings we really want to prioritize self-improvement and growth throughout mm. our lifetime. Mm. Can, you, can you assist like a partner or a brother, sister, mom, dad who struggles with their self-esteem or, or is it best to lead them to a professional, um, a therapist or a coach, I don't know, someone who can talk to them because I, I imagine sometimes it can, you know, some people may take it personal you know, when you are saying to them, you need to dial up or dial down a little bit because that's too excessive and unhealthy. Uh, is, it, is it best for us to try to help our loved ones improve or see where their excessive unhealthy self-esteem is or is it best to get a mediator? I think really it depends on, on the person, whether they're able to take in the feedback or not. I think when we're talking about self-esteem, we're really talking about the core of who somebody is. And I think we can become very defensive when we think about anyone addressing that and critiquing it in a way. So having a therapist, I, you know, I'm always going to advocate for therapy. Having a therapist, I think, is really important because at the core of it, you need to understand what is it that really influences your self-esteem specifically for you? What are those areas of your life that maybe need healing, need to be unearthed, thought about, and really worked on? And sometimes having someone who doesn't know you, having a third party, a therapist, who's really going to sit with you and process things and go through it with you, not judging you, giving you really a safe space, I think is very much helpful than having a loved one. But at the same time, loved ones can be supportive. Yeah. You know, you spoke earlier about mindfulness, but also the importance of being compassionate um, with ourselves. And I think we take that for granted, you know, often when we do an assessment of ourselves. You know, how can we learn to be more compassionate uh, towards ourselves? Because uh, we don't give ourselves an opportunity to falter, as you said. Some people are perfectionists. A little thing that goes wrong, it ruins the entire experience, you know, their whole year, their whole month, their whole day. Um, how can we learn to be more compassionate towards ourselves? So, you know, I think a big thing about compassion really is that acceptance of 
we have flaws and we are not perfect. And it goes back to the self-kindness, the common humanity and the mindfulness. I think really accepting that as human beings, we are going to do some things right, but we're also going to do some things wrong. And I think that is so universal and it's also okay. I think at the end of the day, we need to know that it's okay. There are ways to move forward. There are ways to solve the problem. It's not earth shattering. We can, we can find ways forward. So I think, you know, really just accepting yourself, flaws and, and everything all together, good days, bad days, failures, successes, I think really is, is the foundation of that. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming through. Uh, Kimona uh, Premjith, clinical psychologist, thank you for guiding us through this important conversation. You've, you've really been great in helping us understand um, more about our self-esteem. How do we build it? How can we help our children? Um, but more importantly, how can we be so compassionate towards ourselves as we assess um, our self-esteem and readjusts where readjustments are required? It's 13 minutes before 12 o'clock.